This is Eye to Eye, an Ayn Rand Institute podcast. I'm Amanda Maxim. On this episode, I interview Magdalena Segeda, one of the co-directors of the documentary film Frack Nation. The film follows journalist Phelan McAleer on his quest to find the truth about fracking. The process of fracking, which is the shorthand term for hydraulic fracturing, is a technology that unlocks natural gas from shale rock formations. Fracking is a controversial environmental topic, and Frack Nation digs deep into the issue, exploring both the technology and the controversy surrounding it. So I'm sitting down here via Skype with Magdalena Segeda. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Amanda. So I want to talk about Frack Nation. Uh, maybe you can tell me a little bit about the project. How did it come about? Frack Nation is a documentary. It's a feature-length documentary about a very interesting topic of fracking for natural gas. Um, it's something not everyone knows about but should because uh, it really has a great impact on our lives here in America and also on lives of other people abroad. Um, it all started when myself and uh, my two co-directors, Philip McAleer and Anne McElhinney, came across this issue of fracking and watched a documentary made by Josh Fox called Gasland, uh, which is raising a lot of very alarmist claims about what fracking supposedly is doing to environment and people. And we have made um, documentaries about energy issues and about environmental um, campaigns against energy production in the past. Um, so it was natural for us to be not interested in this in the subject, um, and we decided to to make a film about it. Can you tell me a little bit more about Gasland? What were the claims that were made in that film that you hope to combat? Uh, where do I start? Well, the most famous, the most famous um, um, claim was um, about um, fracking supposedly making your water go on fire. And there is this very famous scene which travel all around the internet, which travel all around the mainstream media, uh, which is a, a guy basically opening his faucet in his kitchen and setting the water coming out of this faucet on fire. It's a very, very scary image, and it was very successful at uh, making a lot of people very afraid of uh, natural gas production coming to the area. So that's one of the of the very famous claims. But there is a list. Um, basically, Josh seems to... Um, claim that pretty much anything bad that can happen to anyone is caused by fracking. So fracking causes all sorts of illnesses, um, you know, starting from having problems with vision and hearing to, um, to cancer. It, it, it kills animals. It basically destroys the earth where, 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 it, where the drilling ta- is taking place. And uh, it just basically uh, causes widespread death and destruction wherever it happens. So tell me a little bit more about, I guess, about the flaming faucet and these other claims. Do, when you researched them, did any of them hold water? Well, um, we actually uh, really uh, started uh, on, uh, working on this project because of the flaming faucet. So what happened was we, we had the idea, we were thinking about doing something about it because we were skeptical about all those claims 
that were out there about fracking. And the flaming faucet obviously is the most powerful image. And uh, it just so happened that Josh Fox had a screening of Gasland in Chicago. And myself and Finim, having previously researched, um, you know, the, 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 the question that we wanted to ask him, went to Chicago you know, with a small handheld camera and sat in the audience. And during the Q&A, Philip stood up and asked Josh, why didn't you uh, include in your documentary the fact that there's been flammable water existing all across the United States, in Pennsylvania, in Colorado, long time before fracking ever started? And Josh was trying to avoid answering this question for a while, for a couple of minutes. Um, but then he, you know, Philip kept asking, and, and Josh basically said, "Well, you know, I didn't include it because it wasn't relevant. You know, it wasn't relevant to his narrative of fracking uh, making the the water flammable. Because the truth is that there is methane in the water." in many places across the United States. There are shallow pockets of methane, and when people drill their water wells, um, they, they can cut across those pockets and methane will get into their water. And we traveled to those places and we went from door to door, from farm to farm, and people told us stories about her grandfathers, about her fathers drilling the wells and finding all sorts of stuff in the wells. And sometimes those people had to drill another well. Sometimes those people chose to use this water, for example, for just a certain purpose, like um, watering the garden or using it for some other purpose rather than drinking and drilled another well um, and put filters on um, to make the water um, taste better because sometimes even those those um, elements that are in the water are not necessarily very unhealthy but they're just not very they don't add to the to the bouquet of the of the water mm -hmm. so th this is something you know this is the, the most scary claim out there and it turned out it took us about five minutes to to discover that it was baseless and that very scene in his movie uh, in that very case there was actually research done um, by the Colorado um, Oil and Gas Commission, uh, and uh, they discovered that uh, this, the origin of the gas in the water of this gentleman who's setting it on fire uh, is biogenic, not thermogenic, which means that it actually came from natural sources rather from any, any sort of rock source. So maybe you can expand on that a little bit. So what's the difference between, what are the two types of gas and what's the difference between them? Well, it's um, uh, the two types of gases. It's biogenic methane and thermogenic methane. And what what they do is they they basically um, uh, test it and they look at the chemical makeup of the gas and they are able to determine whether this came, you know, what what depth this came from. So was it some sort of a shallow pocket or was it a deep, um, you know, was it was it was it the the gas from the rock? And they also are able to determine, is it bacteria that decomposed something and produced this gas? Or where, where, what, what, you know, what was the origin of the gas? So um, they, you know, they're able to look at it and determine whether that had anything to do with drilling or not. And in that particular case, as in many cases, if they were looked at it this way, um, it would turn out that um, it's actually naturally occurring. Thinking about the, the film again, so there are, the tagline from your film reads that there are two sides of every story and then there's the truth. So I'm wondering, what is the other side of the story that you hope to tell? 
Well, the, you know, it's actually, it's actually, we changed that tagline. That's an old tagline oh. that we used at the very beginning. Now, now the tagline goes, um, a journal, frack nation, a journalist search for the fracking truth. <laughs> so, uh, but, um, I guess what we meant by that, um, is that, you know, people talk about, you know, there is always two sides to the story and so on. But the, the fact is that when you go, when you go um, to those places where fracking happens and you talk to people, because, the, 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 you know, the two sides are basically there is an anti-fracking side and there is a pro-fracking side. But then you go to those places and this is not a political issue. This is not a partisan issue. This is something, this is people of all sorts of, of political backgrounds that, uh, you know, that might have their views and convictions but when it comes to okay i'm here in the middle of nowhere in pennsylvania and there's the industry there's the industry coming and potentially you know creating an economic boost and also we are producing natural resources here for america to use those people make very rational decisions about it independently of you know which side they would normally position themselves on yeah so i want to talk a little bit about the the anti-fracking movement, because I think as we both know that fracking is is controversial. So I'm wondering, what is the what is the stance that the the other side takes? Well, unfortunately, the other the other side seems to be uh, wanting fracking to be banned banned everywhere um, without trying to necessarily work with um, the industry to come to some, you know, some, some, some uh, place where they can, where they agree that this is a necessary um, element of energy production in the United States and, and it should be, it should be done. They, um, you know, there's, there's just so many different people in this movement and who, you know, I, I would be, uh, I wouldn't like to guess all their motivations because it's hard to look into people's heads, but, you know, there are people who, um, who are actually benefiting from from being part of this movement? And Josh Fox is an example because he has made a career of um, of of being the, the the leader of of this movement. Um, he, there is also a lot of celebrities who who attach themselves to this cause, which I guess is you know they 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 always are attached to some sort of a cause because they feel they have to do something for other people because they themselves maybe are too successful and you know, to have too much money. So they need to help other people. Unfortunately, sometimes they're, they're, those causes are very misguided, like in this case. There is also, um, you know, there is also a lot of very young people who, like, you know, my, my peers and people younger than me who I talk to and I know they, they just basically, their views on this, on, on energy production and on fracking are just not fully formed. And they unfortunately, um, you know, are kind of sucked into this, this very uh, popular, you know, um, position of, of being against, you know, industry and against energy production and, and anything that involves, you know, machinery and, and uh, you know, it is happening on a, on a green open field because to them it feels wrong. And the truth is that they just have not researched that for themselves and they're taking ready slogans, you know, from other people, from the leaders of the movement, and they just pick up their banners and march with it. And they haven't actually, you know, spent a lot of time thinking and drawing their own conclusions on the subject. I'm interested in, in that aspect of it. So can you tell us a little bit more about what is fracking? Because I think maybe a lot of people don't know what it is and how it works. Well, fracking is 
this quite quite wonderful technology that allows us to tap into previously inaccessible resources that are trapped in a formation uh, in a rock formation called shale rock very deep underground and there are different shape, types of shales um, in different parts of US and fracking um, is actually that's one of the you see when when I talk about fracking I sort of have to address the misinformation that's out there because people who might have heard about it would think that fracking some, is something very new and that fracking is the actual process of you know getting the gas out which is not true because, first of all, fracking has been happening for a long, long time. It's not a new technology. It has been improved, and that's why it's being so economically viable and so successful, but it's not new. The other aspect of it that um, it's, um, it's not actually the, the process that goes on for, forever. So when you see... Um, the fracking side and you see the rigs and you see um, a different type of rig then later on then you see the trucks and you see the ponds you see a lot of things happening on that on that field where, where they where they um, extract gas but this is not all fracking fracking actually takes only three four days in the in the full process that takes few months so um, what they do is they actually uh, drill and I would like to bring up actually one very interesting improvement that's very helpful in also in terms of protecting the environment. They have actually learned how to uh, how to angle the drilling bits. So previously, when people wanted to access some resource that was underneath, they had to drill above the target and go down and take it out from there. Now they found they found how to angle the drilling bits so they can go not only vertically but also horizontally to to get to their target. And what they do is actually they don't drill above every you know pocket of gas that they find. They drill one hole and from that hole they drill down very deep down uh, around a mile uh, down underground and from there they go into different directions from down that one place to get to different, to several uh, places where they can get gas. So you can see that when previously there were many holes in many places, now they are, they are able to actually pick a place, for example, not drill directly above their target because maybe there is a, that's a place on the field where the farmer has a particular, um, you know, thing that he's doing and he doesn't want to disturb it. They can go somewhere else and drill drill vertically and then get to the target but underground. So in terms of the surface disruption, it's much uh, lesser now um, because of, 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 of part of this technology. Now, fracking itself, once they drill, once they, once they get to their target, um, fracking happens, which is they pump high, very high pressure uh, water with some chemical additives deep underground to open up cracks in the rock and to um, let the gas flow up the pipe to the, to the well. And there is a lot of protection while this process happens, which I can also explain if you'd like, uh, but that's basically what, what fracking is. So you, you mentioned that they're drilling down very deep. So how, how deep and, and uh, how close is that in terms of the water table? Well, 
they, it depends. It all depends. You see, those are engineers. So wherever they go, they, they, they look at the location and that they determine all those uh, conditions. And that's how they decide how deep they're going to drill. But, but average uh, depth would be about a mile underground. And in relation to water table, water table is very shallow. It's, it's just a few hundred feet underground. So the, the difference in depth between where the water is and where the drilling happens is huge. Okay. So we're talking about uh, extracting natural gas. So are we running out of natural gas? No, quite the opposite. <laughs> there is, there is uh, plenty of natural gas in the United States. Um, it's really something that I actually refuse to give an estimate because uh, the, because it's a it's a constant news breaking story. So they 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 come up with new estimates, and you know the technology constantly improves because the industry is working on it. So you know we don't know yet how, just how long um, natural gas could supply power for this country, but it's a long long time, and. Um, and, but but the, the fact is that fracking, this particular technology, allowed uh, United States to access those resources that were previously impossible to, um, to explore. So it sounds like the film is at least in part a response to Josh Fox's Gasland, but are there wider issues that you address in the film? Yes, um, absolutely. We didn't want to just make a rebuttal to another movie. Um, you know, energy production is an issue that's of interest to us and it should be of interest to anyone because the truth is that we do, we all use energy and we not only use it, it actually makes our lives and our standard of living possible. So from the moment we walk into the door and flick the light switch and then we, we, we fix ourselves at dinner to very complex oper operations that save people's lives to other human achievements, it's all based on abundance and low-cost energy. So this is um, what we wanted to talk about. And we actually, um, in our film, explore uh, the various, you know, myths and misinformation and sometimes, you know, you could say lies, you know, on the side of the anti-fracking activists who campaign to ban fracking everywhere. And, you know, we look also at the consequences that would have here in the United States and abroad, we travel to Poland as an example of a country who's trying, which is trying to develop and achieve, you know, um, higher standard of living for its citizens, and it's failing to do so because of the, of the dependence on on gas coming from from Russia. Um, so, so we look at it as in a larger context of energy energy production, trying to, um, you know, present. Um, how how this can affect people's lives and what why people should should care about it. I'm wondering about a little bit more about your background. So, what led you to become so outspoken again uh, against um, the anti-fracking movement or the environmentalist movement as a whole? Was it a stance that you always took, or was there some incident that led you to see the world the way that you do? Well, each of us, because you see, there is three of us. So Anne McElhinney and Philip McAleer, who are who are journalists, and they 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 worked for um, various high level publications in the past, and then they started um, you know working on documentaries. They have their own stories of how the, how they came to this um, um, to to being interested in making documentaries that that sort of go against a little bit against the. Um, um, you know, the mainstream view of, of business and industry and so on. 
Now, myself, you know, I was born and raised in Poland. Um, I only left when I was when I was 21. And so I have my own experiences. And, and yes, I think those experiences are actually determined of how I view those issues. And um, that's because, you see, I grew up with um, ex- very expensive and intermittent energy. So in Poland, like in most of Eastern Europe and a lot of Western Europe, we... Um, you know, first of all, we have very cold winters, but we also get our gas um, from foreign sources, and most of our gas comes from Russia, from a com- from a state-run company, practically Gazprom, and we and the gas for us is extremely expensive, and it has a real, real impact on people's lives. It's something that you, that you actually experience every day from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. And so, you know, we had, I could tell you of my childhood stories, but, you know, we had, we had the lights going out and, you know, it was impossible to do homework on, on next day. And, you know, my parents would have to write like a note for the teacher saying, you know, well, we had no light in the house for, you know, five hours in the evening and uh, Magda was unable to write an essay because of that. We, we, you know, I would, uh, we had situations where, you know, an energy bill arriving in our house, a gas bill, was a major dramatic event. I mean, this is something that nobody looked forward to. My parents would open, look at the numbers, and they would be, my God, how are we going to pay this, first of all? And then they would get out, you know, a, a box with the rainy day money, you know, and, and, and take it from there. And then there would be a major discussion of how can we, make the the gas bill lower for the next month and that would involve rationing you know in our own house so for example not everyone was able to take a warm shower let me just leave it at that and poland is now the third world country it's a developed country you know there was nothing missing in my house but the 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 fact that um you know that the energy was so expensive you know affected even a family like ours which was you know which wasn't we weren't going hungry you know but but it was something that um that was really frustrating for me when I was growing up and I knew even back then that there was something wrong with it, that life doesn't supposed to look like this. And that's why, you know, I have a, that's why possibly I have a very different view of those issues that many people here in Los Angeles of my age. What do you hope people will take away from seeing Frack Nation? I hope people will think twice when they hear a very scary story out there um, being propagated by the anti-fracking movement and they will research it for themselves and they will think for themselves. Uh, that's, that's the main hope actually. Um, you know, anything that comes from there because you see mm, movies are, are something that, that's very present in the popular culture and po- popular culture then causes changes actually in public opinion and that causes changes in policies. So, you know, there, there could be positive consequences for some of the people that are on the ground there waiting for, for the bans on fracking to be, to be lifted. Uh, you know, but, but, but most important is that people actually, um, you know, become a little more skeptical about the alarmists on the subject that's out there and, and think for themselves. And I'm sure many of our listeners are excited to see the film. So how can they do that? Uh, well, they can go on our website. You see, we had we were on television uh, on Access TV, which is a channel owned by Mark Cuban. Uh, but there is no upcoming broadcast. So at this at this moment, they um, they should go to our website fractnation.com, where they can buy the DVD. Okay. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much. It was lovely um, talking to you.
You've been listening to Eye to Eye, an Ayn Rand Institute podcast. This episode, with guest Magdalena Segueda, is titled Fracknation and the Controversy Surrounding Fracking. Magdalena Segueda is a co-director of the documentary film Fracknation. For more information about the film, please visit www.fracknation.com. Information and episodes of this podcast are available on the Voices for Reason blog at blog.einrandcenter.org or on iTunes. You can find more information about Ayn Rand and her ideas on the web at einrand.org. I'm Amanda Maxim for Eye to Eye.